0: Thank you, worship team. As they were singing that song, a verse came to mind, Acts 4, 12, There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus is a powerful name and it's a beautiful name. And may we never forget that. This morning, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 10 this morning. We're going to mainly be in the last few verses of Matthew chapter 9 and We're going to be looking at most of chapter 10 this morning. And this morning, we begin our evangelism emphasis for the month of March. And as we begin this emphasis, we're beginning a new series called The Mission of Life. What is the mission of life? People may have different ideas of what the mission of life is depending on who you ask and where they are in life. But scripture makes it very clear as believers we have one mission. And it's in Matthew 28:19 and that mission is to make disciples. And the only way we can make disciples, the only way we can make followers of Christ is to lead people through Christ through what is called evangelism. Evangelism comes from the Greek word evangelion and it means good news. So the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's his birth, it's his life, it's his death, it's his resurrection. And our mission is to make disciples by sharing this good news with others. And I believe one of the areas in which we need to improve on as a church and as Christians in general is the area of evangelism. And my desire is for evangelism and missions to become part of who we are as Red House Baptist Church, become part of our identity as a church. So for the month of March, the Bible study lessons in the week are going to have the same theme, and they're mainly going to come from the same passages, and we're going to focus on the purpose of evangelism and the power of evangelism and the plan of evangelism and the presentation of the gospel message. Also, in your Bible study class, we've asked your teachers to compile a list of people who you know by name who do not know Jesus. And keep that list handy and pray for those people weekly to come to know Jesus. Also, we want your class to adopt and commit to praying for an unreached people group. There are over 7,000 unreached people groups in the world. And we want each Sunday school class to at least adopt one unreached people group and pray that they would have a gospel witness and pray that they would come to know Jesus. And there's a website called Joshua Project where you can go and it lists all the unreached people groups in the world. We're also asking each Sunday school teacher to take five to ten minutes each month to share with the class one tool or one method that can be used to share the gospel. Because we just don't want to tell you that we need to share Jesus. We want to share with you how you can share Jesus. And for next week, I want you to think about at least one person and it can be more than one who you want to give their life to Jesus. One person that you want to pray for to come to know Christ. And during the time of commitment next Sunday, you're going to be invited to come forward and put that person's initials on a, or first name on a ping pong ball. And we'll have a ping pong ball display up here that you can drop that in. And this will serve as a visual reminder of the people we are praying for to come to know Christ. And not only are you committing to pray for that person to come to know Jesus, but you are also committing to ask God to give you the opportunity to talk to that person about Jesus. And we're going to have two goals that we pray will be reached by the end of the year. Our first goal is we want to have 700 gospel conversations as a church. And we want to have a goal of 40 Salvations, because we know that every person we share with or have a gospel conversation with is not going to receive Christ. And every time you have a gospel conversation with someone, you'll indicate that by by dropping a yellow ping-pong ball in the display. When you lead someone to Christ, you'll put a a blue ping-pong ball in the display, and that display after next Sunday morning will actually be in the fellowship hall through the end of the year. As part of this emphasis, we'll begin upward follow-up visitation on Tuesday nights. We finished upward yesterday, had a great season. But we have, as I mentioned before, 190 families who indicated no church affiliation. And what a great opportunity we have to go and talk to these families about our church and to have gospel conversations with them. And so on Tuesday nights, starting March 14th at 6.30, we're going to meet here at the church. We're going to go out and make visits And we want everyone to be a part of that. And what we want to do, yes, we want to tell them thank you for being part about Upward. Yes, we want to say uh, thank you for, for being part of that ministry and coming to our church. We want to give them information about our church and invite them to church. But we also want to make sure that we have a gospel conversation with every family we talk to. And in the coming weeks, we'll give you a script or we'll give you an idea of how you can have that gospel conversation when you knock on their door and turn a general conversation into a gospel conversation. And the gospel conversations that we have will, will count toward our goal of 700. And you may say, well, I want to go and share, but I don't know how to. Well, come. We'll put you with someone who knows how to share and who can help you learn how to share. And one other thing we're doing this month on Wednesday nights at 6.30 in the choir room for the month of March, we're going to have a time of prayer for the lost, for those who don't know Jesus. We're going to have a time of prayer for our upward follow-up and for God to give us boldness and courage to share. You know, there are a lot of things that matter to us. Job security, finances, family, relationships, health, just to name a few. And all of these are important. But in the end, the only thing that is going to matter is whether you and those around you receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Reaching the lost was the number one mission of Jesus Christ. It was his number one priority in Matthew 18, 11, He said, the Son of Man has come to save the lost. And if the salvation of others is a priority for Jesus... If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, this should be a priority to us as well. Unfortunately, reaching the lost is not a priority for many Christians. And sad to say, it's not a priority for many churches. In 2021, 34,000 out of 47,000 Southern Baptist churches responded to what's called the church ministry Profile. Of the 34,000 churches that responded, 17,000 reported zero baptisms. Zero baptisms. And 17,000 of the 34,000 churches that responded. There was a LifeWay survey done June of last year and it found that 54% of Christians are eager or willing to tell others about Jesus. But 66% of Christians don't know how. And we hope to change this as we want you to to be excited to share your faith. And we want you to know how to share your faith. Because our passion for Christ should cause us to fulfill the purpose of Christ. Which is telling others about Him. So this morning I want to share with you what needs to happen in our lives. If we're going to fulfill God's purpose, God's mission of life of sharing Christ with those who need Him. The first thing I want to share is in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. The first thing I want to share, if we're going to fulfill the purpose of our lives of sharing Jesus, the first thing we must do is pray. Look at verse 35 of chapter 9. That Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You see, Jesus had compassion for the lost. Compassion means simply love in action. And Jesus desired to do something about the people's hurt and their suffering. He said they're weary. They're worn out. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus knew they were empty. He knew that he was the only answer to their emptiness. You know, many people in the world today are empty. Many people today are looking for satisfaction in things of the world. Whether it's money or sex or jobs or sports or drugs or alcohol or relationships or whatever it might be. But the things of this world will never fill their emptiness. They will keep wanting more of this world and no matter how much of the world they get, The world will never satisfy their desires. You see, Jesus knew the desperate condition of those around them. He knew that they were separated from God, and if things didn't change, they would forever be separated from God. And that's why Jesus had compassion on them. He wanted them to recognize their need for a Savior. He wanted them to recognize their need for Him. And before we talk to people about Jesus, we need to have compassion on them. We need to recognize their lost condition and what that means for their eternity. And then we need to pray that they will recognize their need for Him and open up their hearts to Him. We need to pray for their salvation. We need to realize the dire situation of those around us who are lost. That anyone who dies without Christ will face eternal condemnation. And the gospel of Jesus is the only thing that is going to change their eternal destination. If one dies without Christ, they'll be separated from God for all of eternity in hell. And not only should we pray for those who don't know Jesus to recognize their need for Jesus and come to Jesus, we pray for those who know Jesus to share Jesus. Jesus said, the harvest is abundant. Our world has over 8 billion people. Over 5 billion people in our world today don't know Jesus. And so about 37% of our world who know Jesus, the other 63% do not. And they are eternally lost unless they give their life to Jesus. Jesus says the harvest is abundant, but he says the workers are few. He says there aren't many workers, there are not many who are sharing the gospel. And then he says, pray for God to send out workers. Who are the workers? It's every follower Of Jesus Christ. The only way those who do not know Jesus are going to hear about Jesus is if we who know Jesus are willing to share him. Romans 10 says this Romans 10 13 to 15 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him in whom they've not believed? How can they believe without hearing? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are sent? As as it is written, how welcome are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. People will not believe in Jesus unless they have heard what he has done for them. This is what witnessing is about. This is what testifying is about. We're testifying about what God has done for them and about what God has done for us. And how can they hear unless we as believers share Jesus with them? And if we don't share, who will? We are God's only plan of sharing Jesus. He has given us this responsibility. And he made that clear in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 20. I'll turn there. Listen to what Paul wrote. He said, now everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Who's us? It's every follower of Jesus. Therefore, we are ambassadors, meaning we are God's representative for Christ. Certain that God is appealing through us and we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God says that we are to go on his behalf as his ambassador, as his representative, telling others that they need to be reconciled to God as we were reconciled to God. What does reconcile mean? It simply means that we were made right with God. How were we made right with God? Through the cross of Jesus Christ. And God has given us the task the responsibility to share the message of reconciliation that those who don't know Christ can come to Christ too by giving their life to Him. Charles Spurgeon said every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. You see, we are God's one and only plan for sharing Jesus. We have the only answer for sin we have the only cure for sin. There is no other cure for sin except Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what kind of person you are. It doesn't matter how many good works you do. It doesn't matter how much you go to church. The only thing that matters is whether or not you give your life to Jesus. That is the only way to be reconciled to God. You see only 60 million people, I mean 60 million people will die each year. That's 164,000 people will die every day. And do we think about where each of these people will spend eternity? We have to realize that heaven and hell are real places. They're not myth. They're not fiction. And what one does with Christ in this life, it determines their destination in the next life. Once someone dies without Christ, it's too late to receive Christ at that point. So what you do with Jesus in this life will determine whether you spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. And no one knows when they're going to die. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. You see, it's certain that each one of us, unless Christ returns first, will face death. And death is not biased. Death crosses all boundaries, it knows no age, it knows no ethnicity, it knows no economic status. And typically we think people are not interested in talking about eternity or talking about God. But I believe people are searching for truth. They have thoughts on what happens after death. They have thoughts about God. They have thoughts about Jesus. I remember I was on a student mission trip in Philadelphia in 2012 and we were working with a church planner. And he asked us to go to this bus stop, this large bus stop in Philadelphia, and, and to stand outside the area where the buses unload. And, and as people come off the bus, he asked us to pass out Bibles and pass out tracks. So with, I was with a student, and a, and a young man, John, got off the bus. We handed him a track and a Bible, and, a, and we simply asked him the question. We said, do you know Jesus? His reply was, I'm looking for him. And that student and I had the opportunity to talk to John about Jesus. And in those few minutes that we talked to him about Christ and told him what Jesus had done in our life, John gave his life to Jesus. He was searching for the truth. We had the truth. What if we have just passed out the gospel track and not had a conversation with him? But he was willing to take the time and miss his next stop so we could talk to him about Jesus. You see, in our world, in our nation, our community, in our work, in our schools, so many people are hurting. So many people are looking for truth. They're looking for love. They're looking for acceptance. And they're looking for all the right things, but they're looking in the wrong place. And we have the right answer, and we can point them to the right place, and we need to share Jesus with them. Because it's our responsibility to help others discover the truth of who God is. Of how they can give their lives to Him. And what is waiting for them in eternity. There is no greater purpose. No greater urgency than sharing Jesus. And if we are going to fulfill the purpose that God has given us, it begins with prayer. Second thing I want to say is we must proceed. If we want to fulfill God's purpose, we have to proceed. Matthew chapter 10. Verses 1 through 5, summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles, Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Jesus sent out these twelve after giving them instructions. Don't take the road leading to other nations. Don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, announce this. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those with skin diseases. Drive out demons. You have received free of charge. Give free of charge. Don't take along gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or a walking stick. for the worker is worthy. Of his food. Jesus told his disciples, he said, After you pray, you need to go. And in verses 1 through 5, he described the condition of the people. And after he told the people to pray for the workers, he told them, he gave them their marching orders. He told them where they were to go and how they were to go. And he told them to go to the lost sheep of Israel. He specifically told them they needed to go to the Jews. And then he told them in verse 7 the message to proclaim. He said, tell them the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, Jesus never told his disciples to do something that he wouldn't do. If you look at Mark 1, 14 and 15, Jesus told his disciples the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. So now he wants his disciples to go and proclaim the very message he was proclaiming. And this is the same message that he wants us to go and proclaim. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which you looked at in your Bible study class this morning, it's the Great Commission. And the the scripture says, Go and make disciples, teaching them all things, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The direct command in that verse is not go, the direct command is make disciples. How do we make disciples? By going, by baptizing, by teaching. So in the Greek it should read, as you go, as you live your life, make disciples. And the only way we can make disciples is if we share the good news with people God places in our lives. You see, the responsibility to share the gospel belongs to every single one of us who knows Jesus. There is not a single believer alive today who is exempt from this command to make disciples. Jesus did not call us to come to be baptized and to sit. He called us to go to be baptized and make disciples. And just like Jesus commanded these disciples to go to those in great need, to those who were diseased and dying and despised, he commands us to do the same thing. And it is by His authority that we go. Matthew 28, 20, the last verse of of, of the Great Commission. Or actually, it's verse 18. Jesus said, all authority has been given me in heaven and in earth. It is by His authority that we go and make disciples. It's not the church's authority. It's not the pastor's authority. It's Jesus' authority. And because Jesus said it, we are to do it. You see, spiritually, anyone who does not know Jesus is diseased. They have the disease of sin. They're spiritually dead. And the only cure for their disease, the only thing that is going to bring them from death to life is Jesus Christ. And by sharing Jesus, (coughs) we can bring help or we can bring healing to people who are hurting. And the only message that we should share with the hurting and the hopeless is the gospel message. Because the gospel message is the only message that offers real and eternal hope. It's the only message that has the power to say. And if you are a disciple of Christ, your passion for Christ and the love of Christ should cause you and motivate you to share Christ and to see people's lives changed by crossing over from death to life and from darkness to light. And if we're going to make disciples... We have to share the gospel. Yes, we're to read God's word. Yes, we're to teach God's word. Yes, we're to live God's word. But we are not to neglect sharing God's word. You see, evangelism is just not using words when necessary. To share the gospel, we have to speak. And we are to go and share the gospel and make disciples where God calls us and where he has placed us. And if every single believer reached the people that were within their circle of influence, think of the impact this would have on the kingdom of God. Think of the numerous lives whose eternal destination would be changed. And here's something we have to understand. As we go, people are going to respond differently. You're going to have those who listen. You're going to have those who don't. You're going to have those who receive Christ and those who reject Christ. And you may even run across some people who are very combative in their response to your sharing of Jesus. But you know what? Jesus warned his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 that was going to happen. Look at verses 11 through 15. When you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you entered. If the household is worthy, let your peace be on. And if it's unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave the house or town. And I assure you, it will be more tolerable on that day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Jesus said those who reject the gospel when they hear it will be worse off than the wicked people of the destroyed cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Who never heard the gospel at all. You know, I've been on mission trips where I've experienced rejection and even where people have been combative. I was in a mission trip in Port Arthur, Texas with some students working with a church planner, going door to door, doing surveys. We knocked on this one door, this gentleman, older gentleman answered the door. And as we began talking, he made it very clear to us that he didn't want anything to do with God. He was angry at God. He was bitter at God because he blamed God for taking his wife. She had died of cancer. And then he slammed the door in our face. You know what I did? I asked our students. I said, you know what? We need to pray for this man. So before we left his doorstep, we sat on that doorstep and we prayed for him that his heart would be open to the truth of the gospel. You see, it's not our job to convict or convert. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Our job is simply to share. And Jesus told us what happens when we go in verses 9 and 10. He told the disciples, don't take anything with you. Meaning God will provide. And as we go and meet the needs of others and share Jesus with others, He will meet our need. So not only do we need to pray, not only do we need to go, but we need to endure persecution. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, look, I'm sending you out like sheik among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as serpents, as harmless as doves. Because people will hand you over to the Sanhedrins and flog you in their synagogues. Beware of them. You'll even be brought before governors and kings because of me. To bear witness to them and to the nations. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you should speak. For you'll be given what to say at this hour. Because you are not speaking, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. Brother will betray brother. A father, his child, children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. You'll be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be delivered. And when they persecute you in one town, go to another. For I assure you, you will not have covered the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebub, But how much more the members of this house hold? Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to encounter fierce opposition, but he wanted to dismiss any notion of what it meant to go and share the gospel. You see, when we go for God, we're going to make ourselves vulnerable. We're going to have a target on our back. We're going to open ourselves up for attack. And we are going to encounter resistance to the message of God, just like Jesus warned his disciples. But the only way to avoid persecution is not to go at all. The only way to avoid persecution is not to say anything at all. You know, as long as we blend in with the world and keep our faith to ourselves, we're not going to face any opposition. But not going at all is not an option. Because among the wolves, there are those who will respond to the gospel. And here's what's great. Jesus just didn't tell them to go. He told them how to go. He didn't leave them to figure it out on their own. He told them to be as shrewd as serpents, as harmless as doves. Jesus was giving his disciples a general principle about how they were to do kingdom work and share the gospel And as we take the gospel to a hostile world, we must be wise about how we present it. We are not to be hostile, but we are to be loving and caring and compassionate. And we must be innocent, serving the Lord blamelessly by living a pure life. Not giving anyone a reason to question our faith. You know, Jesus showed wisdom when he taught. Jesus showed discernment. When he taught, Jesus refused to be caught in the traps that the Pharisees set for him. And Jesus lived a pure and holy life. He challenged anyone to find fault in him. And in fact, when he appeared before Pilate, Pilate said three times, I find no fault with this man. And because of the message Jesus lived and the message he shared, the world rejected Jesus and persecuted him. And in verses 24 and 25, Jesus said, we're not above him. In fact, he says, we are to become like him. And that's a heavy statement. Because you know what it means to become like Jesus? If we become like Jesus, that means we're going to suffer like Jesus. Becoming like Jesus means we live for him and share the message of Jesus. And when we do, we will face persecution like Jesus' faith. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Timothy didn't say, might suffer persecution. He said, if you live for Jesus, if you share Jesus, you are going to face persecution. And I will say this, if you share Jesus, you need to be living for Jesus. You know, it's difficult to tell someone they need to live their life for Jesus when you're not living your life for Jesus. So we need to live a life of purity. We need to live a life of holiness and not give anyone a reason to question our faith. And take note of this the more you are like Christ, the more the world's going to respond to you the way they responded to Christ. You know, the world is fine with us meeting needs and helping people. As long as we are silent about Jesus. But the moment we proclaim the gospel, the moment we say that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is the only way, and we start talking about Him, we are not going to be liked. Instead, we're going to be hated. We're going to be betrayed. We're going to be persecuted by by family and friends and co-workers and the government and even by strangers with whom we share. And as I mentioned last week, We cannot let the opposition to the message detour the mission. And we can't take rejection personally because when people reject us, they're not rejecting us, they're rejecting Jesus Christ. And we need to persevere and we need to endure because in verse 22 it said, Our endurance will be rewarded. My challenge to you is to live in faithful obedience to God. By leading others to faith in Christ. Could it be costly? Absolutely. Could you face opposition and persecution? Absolutely. But you know what? If you want to be like Jesus, that's what you need to do. And the risk is worth the reward. The fourth thing I want to share is we must overcome panic. Verse 26 through 28. Therefore, don't be afraid of them, since there is nothing uncovered that won't be uncovered, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Don't be afraid, therefore. You are all worth more than many sparrows. What's the number one reason people don't share their faith? It's fear. I just read what Jesus said, and three times in those verses, Jesus said, do not be afraid. Fear is a real temptation when it comes to sharing the gospel. Someone said, why is it that when we are in church, God is so big and Satan is so small, but when we go out witnessing, Satan is so big and God is so small? And he answered, because God has not changed, but our perception of God has. I think sometimes we allow our fears to be bigger than our God. There's the fear of the unknown. We don't know how people are going to react. We don't know what to say. There's the fear of rejection or the fear of failure. And we need to remember we're only called to share and we can't control how people respond. Maybe there's a fear of, of past experiences. And Jesus said, if certain people reject you, go to another place and share don't let that rejection stop you from sharing him with others. Maybe you're afraid of being labeled a fanatic. And I would say if that's your fear, the ridicule, ridicule you'll face will pare, pale in comparison to the ridicule that Jesus faced when he went to the cross for us. And maybe it's the absence of the fear of God. You see, if we truly feared God, if we were truly in awe of God, we would want, him to, sh- we would want to share him with others, Because the fear of God should remind us of his coming judgment on non-believers. As we should not want anyone to face God's wrath for not receiving Christ. But here's the problem. If we give in to our fears, we'll end up doing nothing. Our fears will paralyze us and hinder us from the fulfilling of God's purposes. And if Satan is able to paralyze us with our fears, then guess what? Satan wins. Instead of focusing on our fears and panicking, we need to focus on our God who is much bigger than our fears and who can help us overcome our fears and who can turn our panic into peace. And then these three verses, he gives us three ways to overcome our fears. He said we're to have an eternal perspective. We're to think that one day God's going to make everything right, that sin and evil are going to be exposed and be dealt with once and for all. We need to have radical boldness. He says, what I have told you, you need to go and proclaim to others loudly and boldly. He said, don't keep the message to yourselves. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. And I think of what Paul said in Romans 1.16. When he talked about it, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Greek. Jesus also says we need to have reckless abandonment in verse 28. He said, you don't need to fear man, you need to fear God. He said, all man can do is destroy the body. He said, what's that to a believer? If they destroy your body, guess what? You're going to spend eternity in heaven with me. And we need to remember that God is the ultimate judge. And instead of being concerned about the world's response to us, we need to be more concerned about what God's going to say to us into eternity. He is the one to whom we are ultimately accountable to. And when we stand before God, I can promise you this. He's not going to accuse you of sharing Jesus too much. But he's going to be disappointed if you don't share Jesus enough. Don't be afraid of men. The worst man can do is is kill you. But in the end, the death of the believer is actually a reward. You know, I think of what Paul said in Romans 8.18. He said, the sufferings of this present time do not compare to the glory that will one day be revealed in you. As believers, we gain so much more in death than we will ever gain in life. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. But you know what? If I'm dead, I'm with Christ, and that is gain for me. You know, during a battle in World War II, General Douglas MacArthur said, the enemy is in front of us, the enemy is behind us, the enemy is to the right and to the left. They can't get away this time. You see, when it comes to sharing Jesus, this is the mindset we need to have. That our God is big wherever we go. And our God is bigger than any fear we will ever have. And there are people all around us searching for truth. And we who have the truth need to boldly share the truth with them. And we need to remember 2 Timothy 1.7 where Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Power, love, and sound mind to do what? To share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to live for Jesus. The last thing I want to share, if we want to fulfill the mission of life, we must hold on to His promises. You know, fear may tempt us to not witness, to not share. But God has promised to take care of us when we do. In verse 20 of Matthew chapter 10, He said, because you are not speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is speaking through you. You see, when we share the gospel, when we give our testimony... It is not us sharing, but it is the Holy Spirit sharing through us. There have been times when I share with people I have no idea what I was going to say. And after I got done with the conversation, I said, I have no idea how I shared what I just shared. You know, it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this fits perfectly with Matthew twenty-eight twenty, where Jesus said, Behold, at the end of the Great Commission, I am with you. Until the end of the world, that word—remember, or behold, or surely—that is a command. It's the second command of the Great Commission. The first command was make disciples. The second command is to remember God's promise that we—that He will always be with us, and we are never alone. And hasn't that been God's promise all along? Go back to Isaiah seven fourteen, the, the prophecy of Jesus being born of a virgin. What did Jesus say, or what did God say his name would be Emmanuel? What does that mean? God with us. What did the angel tell Joseph in Matthew 1.23 when he told him he was going to have a son and his name would be Emmanuel? Meaning what? God with us. What did Jesus say in Matthew 28.20? That he will always be with us. God has been with us. God is with us. And God will always be with us. And when we share Jesus, guess what? Jesus is with us as we share about Him. And this should bring us comfort. This should encourage us as we talk to others about Jesus. But you know what? Jesus offered some more promises in verses 29 through 31. He said, "'Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them falls to the ground without your Father's consent, but even the hairs of your head have all been counted.'" Don't be afraid, therefore, you are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus makes it clear that God rules with all authority, that God is sovereign. He is control of all things. He makes it known that, that God knows us completely. He's aware of every detail of our lives. He even knows how many hairs are on our head. For some of us, this is an easier job for God than others. But he knows how many hairs are on our head, and my boys continually remind me of my receding hairline. I have less hairs day after day after day, and I tell them it's because of them that that has happened. He also promised to love us deeply. We're valuable to God. He loves us so much. How much did he love us? He sent his only son to die for us. God's love for us runs deep. No one else would do or could do for us what God did. And we should be willing to share these promises with those who don't know him. Because you know what? God loved them too. God died for them too. And because of this promise, look at what we're supposed to do in verses 32 to 39 as we wrap this up. Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father in heaven. Don't assume I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to turn man against father, daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his household. The person who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The person who loves son or daughters more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone finding his life will lose it, and anyone losing his life because of me will find it. Jesus makes it very clear that we are to confess him publicly, that we are to love him supremely, and we are to make it known to others that we belong to him. And Jesus says if we are not ashamed of him, he's not going to be ashamed of us. And if we identify with Christ and love Him more than anything, he says we're to love Him more than anything else in this world in verse 37. And if we love others the way He does, we will fulfill God's purpose of proclaiming Christ. However, there's also a warning here. If we fail to acknowledge Jesus before men on earth, not only will we not fulfill His purpose of sharing Jesus, But Jesus said, he will not acknowledge us before our Father in heaven. Think about that. Jesus says, if you don't publicly confess me on earth, guess what? I'm not going to profess you before my Father in heaven. Do you profess Jesus publicly? Do people around you know that you belong to Christ and identify with him? And if they know you identify with Christ, do you share Jesus with them? Think about this, one day everyone who publicly identifies with Jesus will stand before God in heaven and Jesus will publicly identify them before the Father. Don't you want to be in that group where Jesus says this is the group that I publicly profess before you God because these are the ones that lived for me and shared me and were not ashamed of me. And then there's another promise in verses 40 to 42. It says, The one who welcomes you welcomes me. The one who welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. Anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Anyone who welcomes a righteous person because he's righteous will receive a righteous person's reward. Whoever gives just a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is disciples, I assure you, he will never lose his reward. Jesus promises a righteous reward. But this promise is not just for us, but it's for those who believe in Christ. Why? Because we took the time and the opportunity to share. Because when someone believes the gospel and puts their faith in Christ, they too will experience and have the reward of eternal life. And then since there is no other way for anyone to receive this reward except by receiving Christ, isn't Jesus worth sharing? We should all desire as believers of Christ for others to have what we have and to experience what we have experienced. You know, there are only two kinds of people in the world. Those who are lost and those who are saved. Everyone around us is either dying and going to heaven or hell. In eternity, the only thing that will matter is whether someone has accepted or rejected God's offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. And as believers, God has given us the mission of sharing Him with those who don't know Him. God has given us the responsibility to warn them if they do not give their lives to Christ, they will regret it here and for eternity. And what a humbling thought that God would choose us to share Christ with those who don't know Him. And because God has given us this task, The priority of our lives should be to share with those who don't know him while we can. Because there's going to be a day when you're not going to be able to talk about Jesus anymore. There's going to be a day when you're not going to be able to share Christ with others anymore. And so we need to share Jesus with those who don't know him while we can. And right now there may be people around you who don't know Jesus. And they're just hoping like that young man John was hoping that someone would share with them. And there may be people around you wondering why you've never taken the time to share Jesus with them. They know you're a believer. They know you go to church. But they're wondering, why haven't they told me about Jesus? Share with, with them while you can. Don't let them hope or wonder anymore. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what others may think. Instead of worrying about persecution, instead of being fearful, pray, cling to His promises, and go and make disciples. And see sharing Jesus not just as a responsibility, but as a privilege and as a joy. And when you do these things, you will fulfill the mission of life that God has given everyone who knows Him. And God will reward your obedience. Rick Warren said, A great commitment to the great commandment will fulfill the great commission. You see, if we love Jesus and we love others, we will share the love of Jesus with others. And my prayer is that God will give us the awareness to see what He sees. People who are lost. People who are dying and headed for hell, for eternity. And I pray that we will be obedient to His mission for our life, which is the Great Commission. Let's pray. Father, we just come before You today and just thank You, God, for Your Word this morning. And Father, we may always wonder, what is the mission of life? God, what am I here for? And Father, for those of us who've given our life to You, our mission is clear. Our mission is to make disciples. God, you've called us to share Jesus with those around us, with those that you've placed in our lives. And Father, help us to see the importance of praying or praying for those we we know who don't know Jesus and praying for their salvation. And God, praying for us to give us the the courage and the boldness and the opportunity to share. And Father, I pray that when you tell us to go and as we go and live our lives, God, that we wouldn't be ashamed of you, God, but we would be willing to. To tell others about you. That others would know that we belong to you, Father. Help us to be willing to publicly profess you. God, help us not to be paralyzed by fear. Help us not to fear man, God, but help us to fear you. And God, help us to cling to your promises. God, we're so thankful for the promises you've given us that when we share, when we witness, when we testify, when we go in your name, that you are with us and we are not alone. And Father, I just pray that that we would cling and remember these promises. Father, I pray even this morning that you've laid people in our heart who need to know Jesus. People, Father, who if they took their last breath right now, they would spend eternity separated from you forever in a place called hell. Father, may we see the urgency in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's only the gospel of Jesus, Father, that can change someone's eternal destination. And Father, may we think how we are your only plan for sharing the gospel. It's our responsibility. But God, it's also a privilege to talk about Your love and your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And Father, may we desire for others to experience that same love from you that we've experienced. So, Fathers, we have our time of commitment. I pray if there's someone here today who doesn't know you. God, maybe they walked into this service not having given their life to you. And I pray today, Father, that you've shown them their need for Jesus. And they would say, I want to give my life to Christ because of what he has done for me. Father, for those of us who are believers, God, may we simply ask ourselves the question and ask you to reveal it in our hearts. God, are we truly fulfilling the mission of life that you've given us, sharing Jesus? Father, we just pray, God, that we would be willing to share you with others. Thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for this time in your word. God, as we now have this time of commitment, this time of response, I pray that everyone in this room and watching online would respond to you, God, the way that you've asked him to. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. The invitation is simple this morning. As I prayed, if you don't know Jesus, please give your life to Him today. Don't wait until it's too late. Give your life to Him while you can. And if you are a follower of Jesus, are you committed to the Great Commission? Are you fulfilling the mission of life that God has given you of sharing Him with others? And in your circle, who do you know that you need to share Jesus with? Who is that one or two or three people in your life that need Jesus? And I'm going to encourage you this morning and pray for those people and ask God to open their heart to His truth and ask God to give you the opportunity to share and ask God to give you the boldness and the courage to share. Maybe there's other decisions this morning, baptism or church membership. Whatever decision you need to make, This altar is open for you and I'll be down at front. So let's stand as we sing during this time of response.